0: Hey everybody, this is The One. I am Greg Gutfeld. Again, I'm very excited with my next guest. Joining me today is British politician and member-elect of the European Parliament for the Brexit Party, Martin Dobney. He's a former journalist and commentator. He was the longest-serving editor of the legendary Lad magazine Loaded uh, and was responsible for the title's relaunch in 2005. See, I knew of him back then because that's when I had – around the time I had moved to London to uh, Helm, Maxim, UK, before I drove that into the ground. Uh, Martin, how are you? Yeah, man, great. I've
1: got fond memories of your time in in the UK, and we finally crossed swords.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. I think you and I might have been in a pub once together at the same time, but we didn't chat. (laughs)
1: yeah I think I was being typically British about it. It's like, okay, so this guy's american he's hes he's more talented than me. he's funnier than me, his magazine's better than me, so I'm gonna sit in the corner and brood about it you know I mean? yeah but i think but I think at the end of the
0: day you still won i my mag- I think my magazine i think I have the 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 esteemed i don't know credit of every single magazine I work for it does not exist anymore.
1: Yeah, that's because that's because you were you were so unique and you all take people just didn't get you. But you were right. You were <laughs> right all along. And you've come back to fault. and you, You've proven your fault. I got to
0: congratulate you on this. Uh, you are now a member elect of the European Parliament. Now, just assume that I, you know, I'm a typical kind of American. I don't understand like the Euro- European Parliament. OK, I know this is dumb, is not the British Parliament. So what is your no? what do you do? And are you like do you have to move to Belgium?
1: <laughs> yeah. um, if I did, I wouldn't have signed up for it so <laughs> I- In essence, the European Parliament um, is made up of 28 uh, EU member states um, The UK being one of them There are 750 MEPs from across Europe And the UK has 73 of them The UK is made up of a bunch of regions um, The West Midlands is my region uh, we stood. Uh, we came from nowhere in five weeks. The Brexit party, of course, was the creation of Nigel Farage. You'll be more than familiar with, with him. Yep. Good friends with your man, Donald Trump. Yeah, We came from nowhere um, and within 45 days, uh, we won 29 seats in the in the European Union, which is the joint highest with Angela Merkel's party mm-hmm. in the, in, from Germany. So we've really kind of thrown the cat amongst the pigeons. We came from nowhere to be in the joint biggest force. And let me tell you this, the entire political establishment is absolutely confused. They are <laughs> bewildered. They're terrified. They are throwing everything at us, just like they did with you, Trump, yeah. on your side of the pond. It's a very, very similar kind of movement. None of us really have a great deal of political experience. Now, you might think that's a bad thing, except in the six weeks of campaigning across the UK, we just heard time and time again that people are sick of career politicians who go from the best schools in the UK to the best universities in the UK to working directly in politics without ever having held down a real job, (laughs) without having done a real deal, probably without actually ever meeting an ordinary person in their entire (laughs) lives, unless unless they're delivering food to them or something. So... (laughs) What we've done is completely rewritten the the copybook of British politics in a very short space of time, and it's been absolutely incredible. Yeah,
0: I was watching it, you know, because I I could tell, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm following you on Twitter and I'm looking at things that are happening and I'm going, oh, this is definitely happening because the momentum was there. And the one thing I noticed, it's the same thing when Brexit passed and then when Trump won. When Brexit passed, I don't know when that was, I said to the so-called experts here where I work. Doesn't that mean Trump has a chance? Because no one saw this coming, and they said yeah, no. It's two yeah. different things, but it's not. It's the same thing. It is a phenomenon, you know.
1: Uh, they're they're absolutely you know two heads of the same beast. I yeah. mean, what happened in the UK um, is that the the political class, and especially by the way, the media class. Um, we're entirely disconnected from ordinary people. Mm-hmm. So we have a thing called the M25, which is the road that runs around London. It kind of contains London. And there's life within the M25, which is the London bubble. Right. And then there's the rest of the real country. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge disconnect. The, the politicians in our country voted about 75% to remain in the European Union. The journalists typically mirrored that voting pattern, whereas the general population voted by 52% to leave so none of them saw it coming they were completely confused but those of us who spent real time outside of this bubble talking to real people it was it was coming like a like like a really slow train down mm-hmm. down the line greg i'm telling yeah. you it's really really obvious and right about the same time um, i called it correctly on, on tv on sky news and they were like and "really are you serious" they're rolling <laughs> their eyes and calling me dumb and then when when trump followed it was exactly the same sort of, you know, continuity.
2: Mm-hmm. There was
1: a disconnect of the intelligentsia, the liberals, the metropolitan elites. They didn't see it come in, but anybody spent time in the real world, it was really, really obvious that it was going to happen. So I think there are clear parallels between yeah. the two movements for sure.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I uh when during the whole Trump thing, I was one of the people that was wrong. I had uh, like and I had my brother-in-law who was gung-ho Trump and I had friends of mine yeah. that were gung-ho Trump but I was in I was inside the bubble I I, yeah. I I just assumed no shot at this I agreed with the uh I agreed with the people around me and then that night was the the greatest learning experience for me in and in, in being in the media and how wrong you can be yeah. because people don't tell you how they feel until because they know that you're there's no reason for somebody to tell me what they're going to do until they do it
1: you know yeah, precisely. I think it was exactly the same in the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, there were you know, some of the so-called experts. I mean, the Bank of England governor, mm-hmm. you know, the chancellor of the Exchequer, you know, the highest you know, minds in our country didn't see it coming. The best journalists, mm-hmm. you know, the most qualified journalists from the best universities didn't see it coming. And this is precisely because they, they live in an echo chamber where Right. everybody agrees with them. And, you know, they have their own bias reconfirmed with every single conversation, be it at the school gates be it in the newspaper they read, the radio they listen to, the TV they consume. No, it is an entirely all separate channel. Yeah. But what we don't have, what we don't have in the UK is an equivalent of Fox News. Mm-hmm. So we're, there's a huge conversation going at the moment about the media bias, right. and particularly with our state broad- broadcast of the BBC, which of course is paid for as a form of taxation. <laughs> yes. Everybody in the UK has to pay BBC license fee upon pain of going to jail. Mm-hmm. And, um, the the journalistic makeup of the BBC is entirely unrepresentative of um, the Brexit debate. So many many people didn't see it coming. So so I'm going to excuse you on this one, Greg. <laughs> if you are not alone in not, in not seeing these great things coming.
0: You know um, to, what you and I have in common. Okay, so I was when I was at Maxim, I was the only I would say I'd say conservative libertarian. I was the only yeah. person like that on staff, from what I remember. And and I was, you know, I was ribbed for it. And especially because Bush was president. I got so much heat. Now you come, you're in the same kind of environment. You were in, you're in British media, British journalism. Uh, When you, when when your, uh, I guess, beliefs became public or known, did you lose friends or were you treated differently?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would never have called myself a conservative. I mean, my my dad's a coal miner. Yeah, I come from a very kind of left wing working class background. Mm -hmm. Um, But then what happened is that um, Brexit came along and and it really has pressed the reset button. on people being left or right because Mm -hmm. Brexit has redefined everything, I guess, in the same way that that Donald Trump has. And so so when I kind of came out, if you like, it wasn't quite a coming-out experience because Nigel Farage is is a very divisive character as your man is over there. Mm -hmm. And if you suddenly throw your hat to the ring, then, yeah, I was getting called a racist, I was getting called a fascist, a Nazi Mm -hmm. sympathizer, and all this kind of crazy kind of identity politics nonsense, which is the currency of of Mm -hmm. the media, Mm -hmm. very... Unforgiving and almost well, definitely bigoted yeah. mindset. And I, I just got off Facebook. I just got out of that world because, you know, I'm not in this to be judged. You know, I never set out to be a politician. It kind of came my way.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, you have to stand for what you believe in. And I guess, you know, a great many of us have found ourselves almost getting blown into the port of, you know, being a conservative <laughs> because the, the, the kind of liberal politics that we felt that we've, you know, rightly stood by when we were younger. We outgrew them because right. they abandoned us.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they moved with that the goalposts shifted, and so you're kind of like yeah. a man. You're almost you're a man without a uh, without a team, and um, and you all of a sudden you start finding. I think a lot like a lot of people in the United States, especially like they they become part of this like the podcast world where all the ideologies yeah. fall away. You know, and uh, yeah. what was it? Do you think that being an editor for Loaded? helps you because i think his loaded was yeah. for a, was a magazine for the people which is why it was so popular so that that must have influenced or informed how you how you deal with people yeah. now
1: absolutely and i think in the uk we call it having the common touch mm-hmm. so it's like can you actually identify with a guy who kind of works 15 hours driving trucks or right. you know 12 hours digging coal or sweeping the roads or you know, all these kind of jobs that people try to Kind of wish away as not really existing
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know and if you understand ordinary people the magazine was for ostensibly uh, the working class men mm-hmm. um who in turn became demonized and ostracized and mm-hmm. put a, put aside as if you like being um the party of all ills i mean it's the same on no side uh, on stateside side in terms of like campus culture and jock culture mm-hmm. the uk became lad culture and then we had the, the ingress of identity politics right. and to- toxic masculinity and all this nonsense. And, and and suddenly, you know, people found themselves being attacked just for existing. Yeah. And the same was true if you're a conservative and a great many of us kind of just stepped back and thought, well, this, what's going on here? What's all this about? And they we realized over time that we were actually the silent majority mm-hmm. and we kind of found ourselves... Um, via podcasts outside of the mainstream media, outside of the newspapers and the radio stations and the TV channels that we, we consumed for many years and we created our own channels, our own networks. Mm-hmm. And you, you're, you're, you're a long way ahead of the curve in, in America with having Fox. And you know, you're very, very lucky. You know, we, we, we need something desperately to mirror that this side of the pond. Because at the moment, we're kind of forging our own networks and going our own way. And we need that media voice because without it, we just have bias and echo chamber. But having said that, despite all of that, despite all of the weight of the media machine, the entire political machine, the so-called expert machine being thrown against the British populace, they still mm. voted to leave the European Union. And I'm so proud of the British <laughs> people so for, for we, standing by their results. So
0: where does that – that leads me to the obvious question. What is next for Brexit? Because it's yeah. like it's – for us over here – it's, I know, you know Theresa May is going – I also want to ask you who you think is going to come in if it's going to be Johnson. But uh, first, where do you see uh, – w- what's next for Brexit, the movement?
1: Okay, so we were promised that we would leave the Mm -hmm. European Union on March the 29th. Theresa May promised us 108 times that we would leave, and we didn't leave. Um, So we then extended a thing called Article 50. Without getting to the minutiae, we are still in. The latest date we've been set to leave, um, maybe um, in terms quite prophetic, is on Halloween. (laughs) On October the 31st, we're meant to be leaving, and the latest odds literally a few hours ago over here, Boris Johnson mm-hmm. looks set to become, to become the next conservative leader, the conservative government or the present incumbent government. Yeah, He's getting in on a ticket of guaranteeing Brexit by October 31st. Most people think he can't deliver that. So it's mm-hmm. going to go one of two ways. Either there'll be a snap general elections. Here we go. Look, I said, October 31st, we're getting out. We can't do it. Everyone's blocking me. So it's time for a general election now. We hope that happens at the Brexit Party. We are, like today, I was interviewing prospective MPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are gearing up on a war footing. We are absolutely ready for this because Brexit absolutely broke British politics. Mm-hmm. It, broke, it broke trust in politicians, perhaps for a generation. Yeah. Absolutely shattered our belief in democracy. Mm-hmm. And people want something new. They want a, a change. And we, we really hope that we're going to be that. You know, politicians that are representative of the public and genuinely serve the public, rather than you know acting as if they are the masters of the public. You know, we've forgotten the very nature of public servitude.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, to your your point, I mean, it's it's the reason why it broke democracy is because. They're ignoring the actual vote, and they want like do like yeah. it sounds like they're just going to do a do over until they get the other score. They need to get the they need to get it. They need to get what they want, and they're never going to accept yeah. this, which is it, it's yeah. like. I'll- go ahead.
1: And that's common, you know, that there have been similar um, votes before um, where Denmark voted to leave the European Union. They were forced to vote again. The Mm -hmm. same for the Republic of Ireland. They were forced to vote again. But, you know, the British, I think, have made of different stuff. Mm -hmm. And we've refused to bow. And despite all of the public opinions that come out saying, well, people have changed their mind. They want a second referendum. That's not true. Mm -hmm. People are as determined as ever. And this is much more now than Brexit. It is about democracy and it's about... You know, just telling these politicians that you work for us. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you do what you're told. Yeah. And and it's, it's been a very kind of British uprising. There's been no kind of French-style setting fire to cars. <laughs> yeah. And There's been there's been no riots in the street. We've we've kind of sat around, moaned about it, had a cup of tea, been, <laughs> and we vote and we voted again, and we're going to keep voting again, and we will get this through because the will of the people cannot be overridden.
0: You know, it's great. It's is the um. It's so funny. The milkshakes. Okay, so you have this. You have two. Yeah, yeah, the milkshake. They throw it on Farage and then they threw it on a Trump supporter. But that actually is only I saw it only as fuel for you guys, because that's not how Brits that's not how you do things. You know, it's
1: like. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, I've been on Tucker Carlson show before talking about this all anti-fars and anti-fascists and and, and what's kind of come out of all that sort of ridiculous pantomime movement yeah is simp- simply more support for mm-hmm. the decent, you know, democratic way of doing things. So so Nigel Farage, leader of Brexit Party, mm-hmm. um, was going around a northern town called Newcastle, and this guy threw a milkshake mm-hmm. over him. And, of course, you know, the liberal left of, of yeah. Twitter, they loved it. So yeah. wow, it was just direct action. Yeah. You know, the next day, it was the front page of every newspaper, mm-hmm. and I just tweeted out, that right there is another one hundred thousand votes for the Brexit Party. Yeah, because because people don't like this kind of obstruculous, confrontational, you know, anarchic style of doing things. It backfires, and it's a vote winner for the reasonable, quiet, democratic side of things. All of those kind of tools of attack they don't work anymore yeah even the sort of the press over here they they do a thing they did a thing called project fear and this is a kind of economic based argument of you know everybody's food bills will go up there'll be no more medicine Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be no sandwiches there'll be no there'll be no beer everyone's like what no we can get by i'm sure and then it became project smear we'll smear yeah publicly the politicians will take them down that didn't work either and you know the, the milkshaking I think is the latest pathetic you know way of doing things and none of it works you know yeah. and they don't know what to do they, they're really confused about it Greg yeah it's uh
0: we've we've seen this over here it's it's the uh um catastrophic thinking uh Trump is unstable insane he's g- we're gonna lead us into war none of that worked then it was um I'll, uh, and then it was Bigotry, racism, but that didn't work. Yet. We have the lowest unemployment among minorities in history yep. and women. So none of this works. So they, so they end up. What they do is they cling to emotional arguments, fear. Yeah. And 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 it's it, it's it's funny because all you have to do is throw actual physical evidence at them, and it yeah. and it, 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 it it pops their balloon. I want to ask you, what is what is your life like now as a as a politician? Did you ever think this was going to be your
1: World and and how has it changed? I mean, absolutely not. I, I mean, I, I never in a billion years thought to be a politician. You know, I'm a working class kid, and I always grew up to think that you know, politics just kind of happened to us. Yeah, you know, we were kind of passive vessels, and it kind of just came our way, and we kind of tugged our forelocks, and we got on with life. And that probably would have been always the way if they'd just done their job. Yeah. <laughs> if they'd just got on with doing what they were supposed to do, then I don't suppose that the status quo would ever have been changed. And that's the greatest victory in many senses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're, um, they're, the fact that they've taken the public for granted for so long, for too long, has, has forced, in, in a sense, an entire uprising, a democratic uprising of ordinary people with real lived experience, who've who stepped into the fold to make a change. And my life has changed completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to give up all of my work. One of the things about... Standing as a politician in the UK so you're not allowed to be paid mm-hmm. unless you're elected, or uh, until you're elected. So I uh, had to give up all my work. Huh. I, I had lovely PR consultancy work, comfortable media work. Yeah. Suddenly I was I was kind of working for free, and mm-hmm. I just thought, well, I'm I'm doing this. I spoke to my mum. Mm-hmm. She went, "You've got to do this because otherwise, you know, who's going to represent ordinary people? Yeah. Uh, and that that's what started to happen. It was you know, the voice of the ordinary man and woman in the street, the tax paying. Hardworking, democratic, law-abiding person was not represented in our politics, and that called for an entirely new representation, and that's what the Brexit Party is doing.
0: Well, you know, I I have to um, st- I think it is such a great story uh, because you're not you're you're not a career politician. This is actually something nice. that you chose to do because you felt no one else was there. That's it. I mean, that's like that's how. Great politicians or great leaders are created because we we are saddled with establishment elite career politicians. But when somebody says, you know, screw it, no one else is doing this. I'm going to do it. And then it actually happens is really a great it's a it's a great story. That's when I was like, I'm going, this is pretty interesting because, you know, I knew you from back then and I'm watching this happen and I'm going, this is definitely happening. I, I I have to say it was I was really touched by it. I was like well, I was rooting for you over here when it was hey, happening. Man. You know. So next time I'm out yeah, there, I, I'm, I was supposed to go to a wedding in in, uh, in the end of June, but then the dude like I I think he chickened out and he said that they like so the the, <laughs> ma- the wedding got called off. So but my wife and I were going to be heading out there, so we have to have a uh, a celebratory drink at some me point point,
1: and, and, and they'll be on me greg i'd love to buy you that that one beer we never shared all those years ago mate these ones are on me my friend
0: i i will take you up on that hey martin congratulations and and good thank luck you. with everything
1: cheers mate. thanks for your support it means a lot it really means a ton thank you my friend you got it keep in touch i'll see you cheers mate